This is the 60 years of print podcast series celebrating the 60th anniversary of print action as well as recognizing the major milestones in the printing industry in the last 6 decades. Hello everyone. I'm Nitya Kelab, the editor of Print Action. Today on 60 Years of Print, we are talking to Martin Haberkost, the new chair of the School of Graphic Communications Management at Ryerson University, and Ian Bates, a former chair of the school, about the key role the school is playing in training the industry's next generation leaders. Hi Martin and Ian, thanks for joining us. Hi Nisia. Hello Nisia. I want to start off by asking both of you when did the graphic communications management program start at Ryerson? Uh well that's fantastic. So uh that's a good question. Um the graphic communications program was one of the original six programs when the Ryerson Institute of Technology opened its doors 73 years ago in 1948 with about 300 students uh school wide or or institute wide. Um at that time Ryerson was focused on trades training in the post-war period to meet the need for skilled trades people and also to offer opportunities for those who were returning from World War II. Um so GCM or graphic communications management started as a short program in printing technology to meet the needs of society at that time. Um it began in a two-story wooden building in what is now the open quadrangle inside of Kerr Hall right downtown on the Ryerson campus and early photos in the Ryerson archives show that building with a sign on the outside that reads graphic arts. Uh later on it moved into Kerr Hall or or the big quad building um that many uh, alumni and graduates will remember. So how has the program evolved over the years? Well, maybe let me begin and I think Martin will probably want to jump in as well. Um you know, the original program was a diploma in printing technology. And then uh you know, in the 1950s uh under the principal Howard Kerr, Ryerson expanded its focus uh to include management and the humanities. So the management component was added and printing became printing management and then later graphic communication, graphic arts management and then graphic communications management or GCM as we know it now. You know, Ryerson started to grant degrees in 1971 and the first degree in graphic communications management, a Bachelor of Technology was granted in the 1980s. The word university was added to Ryerson's name in 1993. Polytechnic was dropped in 2002, resulting in the current name. So maybe I'll let Martin take it from here. Yes, yeah, sure, Ian. The program has changed really a great deal from what it was in the beginning with about 20 students. Now we have over 600 close to 700 students um so the original focus was on printing technology you know with letterpress hot and cold metal type composition then offset lithography uh photo composition and photomechanical prepress with process cameras dark rooms film stripping on light tables and plate exposure and in contact frames you kind of see how it progressed over the years a health scanner was added added in 1980 and a range of offset presses from Milner, Solner and Heidelberg were part of the uh facility of the facility. So then in the 1970s the management focus of the curriculum came be quite prominent and in the 1980s under the leadership of the GCM chairs of Tom Atkins and uh Frank McGuire a four-year curriculum with management courses in accounting, finance, marketing, industrial engineering business planning selling and estimating uh was uh, was created 
So you can see how the whole program evolved already from the original training of press operators in post-war uh, late 1940s uh, to uh, 1970s. And in 2002, the Heidelberg Center, uh, the school's current home was uh, opened. And this building was made possible through the leadership of, of Mary Black and a dedicated committee of visionary industry leaders who uh, garnered outstanding support from industry for this $10 million new home for graphic arts communication. Um, I heard the rumor that uh, whenever Mary Black uh, called a meeting, any member in attendance could not leave before leaving a, a check at the door. So <laughs> that's persuasion. So that apparently was the uh, modus operandi for those meetings with Mary Black. You know, uh, Mary is the one who uh, who hired me at Ryerson, you know, uh, 20 years ago, and she made fantastic contributions to the program. Many people will know her from her industry days as well. But, you know, on the topic of um, how has Ryerson evolved over the years, I mean, the more recent events is that we've had a lot of curricular changes that have taken place. We've added flexography, packaging, digital printing, more emphasis on color management, digital asset management, project management, graphic design, binding and finishing. And this is all in response to industry uh, requests, feedback from employers, from industry advisors and, and others. Um, so the current curriculum has numerous minors and concentrations for students to choose from. There's a lot of electivity uh, with concentrations in packaging, digital printing and publishing. The program draws more than 600 students into the program in all four years who are taught by 12 faculty members and more than 20 part-time instructors from industry with the support of uh, full-time administrative and technical staff as well. Uh, but really what remains unchanged uh, over 70 sub years is the in close ties to industry, uh, the incredible, incredible support from industry for equipment and materials, scholarships, uh, through the Canadian Printing Industry Scholarship Trust uh, Foundation and many, many other scholarships and awards through guest speakers, plant tours and internships for students, industry internships. Uh, students continue to participate uh, very actively in conferences, competitions and, and meetings of industry associations, many that people who are listening will be familiar with, PAC, Explore, TAGA, DIA, OPIA, uh, and so many others, perhaps I've forgotten some as well. Well, one other thing, Ian, that uh, I think should be mentioned as well, that since 2012, uh, GCM has traveled with faculty and staff to Interpac and Drupa trade shows with a select number of students. So we made this also possible for students, for some students to see the size that the industry actually has worldwide. So this is also something that uh, the school has uh, added uh, in the last decade. Yeah, that's a really good point, Martin. And that's in addition to, uh, you know, the, the trade shows that happen in Toronto, um, in Montreal, and some of the ones in the US as well. Yes. And it kind of explain, you know, helps me understand a little bit of how the program has evolved to in response to industry needs. Uh, but if this is there something else that you would like to add to that? In, specifically in terms of how the program is meeting current industry needs? We have uh, constant curricular change. We listen to what uh, we hear from industry. We have offered uh, concentrations uh, that students can take. Um, we added courses in packaging, design, finishing, and digital printing. We 
regularly upgrade our equipment to be as close as possible to uh, what is used in industry these days. And we have flexo presses, we have pre-pressed equipment, we have a new a Kodak CDP plate maker, we have inkjet devices, roll-fed and um, flatbed, and now a Rico digital press. We are hiring industry experts and veterans in design, uh, packaging, sustainability management, estimating to, for, for hiring is not the right word, maybe uh, they come and do guest lectures. We have internships. We offer students can take the internship in the summer or the fall. During the pandemic, of course, we are more flexible and gave students a whole year time to complete uh, the internship uh, requirement. We also reduced the number of hours that students have to take uh, during internship. So giving em employers the possibility to maybe hire two interns over a given time. The school also uh, hosts job fairs in every March for interns. So third year students seeking internship and fourth year graduating students uh, seeking a, a place of full-time employment. We hosting that in partnership with, with industry and uh, the support from industry has steadily increased from year to year. I think last time was about 80 something companies when we had the last in-person event. We have great support from industry. We also partner with industry group and associations. Ian mentioned them already, PAC, Explore, TAGA, DIA. OPA so, and so on, we make it possible for students to attend uh, the trade shows that happen here in Toronto. We also have the GCM uh, Colloquium every year, which is an event where speakers come and talk about a certain topic. Yeah, that has been chosen for this year of the Colloquium. And uh, last year was an, an online Colloquium event with more participants than ever. And uh, I think close to 200 and they were from all over Canada. And the, the online virtual format allowed people to participate in the colloquium, even though uh, in, they would not uh, were, not, were not able or could not simply come to the in-person event. So I think from the pandemic, we all kind of learned what has happened or what is possible. I mean, the students did a fantastic job in hosting this event. Um, it worked seamlessly. And in my opinion, was an event that could, uh, has to get the stamp, this is how it's done for a virtual event. Another thing that we also do, we have international exchange going with uh, now five partners. We used to have four partners, we just recently added another one in the UK. So students also have the opportunity to go on exchange. Of course, we keep our fingers crossed that in 2022, students can actually go there uh, and not virtually participate in courses at our partner universities. Our curriculum in its current format has been put together in such a way that it allows flexibility. We have in the upper years, at least two courses who are, what has to be taught in the course is formulated vaguely. So we can put newer content in there without, you know, basically uh, going against what the course description says. So we have um, added flexibility in, in the upper years, so students can be exposed to the latest uh, trends in industry. That makes sense. Lastly, what is Ryzen doing to address diversity, equity, and inclusivity? As a university, Ryzen has over 70 student teams and clubs, and many dedicated to diverse and multicultural interests. And Ryzen celebrates a wide range of cultural events and holidays as Pride Month, Black History Month, just to name a few. 
uh, there are spaces and support for student groups. Um, where Ryerson is, we are one of the most diverse cities, I don't know if it's in the world, but at least in the country. I think it's it comes then natural for people to, to accept or to see people from different backgrounds and talk about their experiences. So when they go maybe out in the world, they are more open to different points of views than if we would not have uh, this diverse population here in the greater Toronto area. There's also increased efforts to recruit and support students from a wide range of backgrounds. There's a large increase in student aid to improve accessibility. The Ryerson has an EDI office to prevent discrimination and harassment. We also have EDI as a focus in recruiting and hiring. There's an Aboriginal student service office. We have an Indigenous elder on staff there. We are also uh, will be working on curricular changes to modernize our curriculum to include the, uh, diverse perspe perspectives and improve inclusivity and, and equity. So a lot of beans is happening. And as uh, the listeners probably might have heard that there's a discussion going on to change the name of uh, Ryerson University itself. Uh, many of you probably might have seen the, the short video where the statue of Egerton Ryerson was, was taken down. I was recently on campus and even the pedestal has been uh, removed. So there's only the sign there that, that was put next to the statue a couple of years ago explaining uh, Egerton Ryerson's role in the residential school system. At the moment, we have to wait and see what this commission that is uh, put in place at the university to, uh, any, to come up with any recommendation for a possible name change. So many things are happening and Ryerson is, I think, on the forefront of, of EDI and trying to be inclusive as much as possible and to give as many students as possible access to a post-secondary education. Thank you, Martin and Ian, for explaining the GCM programs at Ryerson University and how it has evolved over the years, as well as how it is responding to industry needs. I would also like to thank the listeners as well. Have a great day. Thank you.